Welcome to the Theology Ki Baat podcast, where Christian theologians and Bible scholars talk about issues from India and how we as Indian Christians can engage these issues through biblical and theological reflection. Theology Ki Baat is a podcast by the faculty of the Evangelical Theological Seminary of the Asian Christian Academy of India and ACA Media. You can learn more about ETS at www.ets-india.org and about the other ministries of ACA at www.acaindia.org. Well, welcome to this edition of Theology Ki Baat. I'm Dr. Stephen George here with uh, Dr. Sagi Thomas. We also have a special guest, Professor Joy John uh, from Evangelical Theological Seminary. And we have a interesting topic, a topic which I think all of us have um, maybe some knowledge on, but maybe we're more aware of what we don't know. Um, <laughs> or or maybe we are, uh, we're going to engage with this topic with, uh, you know, an understanding of the limitations of where we are, the complexity of the problem. Uh, but we want to come across this issue as primarily as uh, biblical theologians and Particularly, uh, I'm trying to understand this issue for Indian Christians. How do we understand this uh, issue and topic of transgenderism? And um, how does this affect um, believers? Uh, and um, what we're talking about in the church? And how do believers um, deal with transgenders outside the church? And how do we understand the whole phenomenon? Uh, and so on and so forth. So our discussion is trying to gain an introduction into this topic. Uh, delve into some of the scriptures uh, and theology, um, particularly the anthropology of what it means to be male and female and uh, specifically also about transgenders. What does that mean? Mm. So in this discussion, we'll uh, be spending time trying to define the terms. Um, we'll be trying to look at scripture, uh, trying to wrestle through it pastorally. Mm. But uh, we want to start off by maybe talking about our own experiences with transgender. So I'll ask Professor Joy if you can just talk about some of your experiences with the transgender. Well, the church that I'm part of, Hosur Brethren Assembly, actually has a ministry uh, with the transgenders in Hosur. And we have met them a few times during Christmas and Easter and even during the pandemic. Uh, it's because one of our church members is connected to a hospital and through him, we got the connection because many of the transgenders come to the hospital for treatment. So we asked them, you know, could we have a Christmas dinner with them? And they said yes. And we invited them to one of the good restaurants in Hosur, and we had a party. Then uh, we sang Christmas songs, we gave them gifts, and we ate together. And in fact, when they came to that uh, restaurant, we received them with, uh, you know, rose flowers. And um, we, you know, treated them like uh, human beings and like close friends. And they were astonished. And they said they've been always rejected from childhood mm. because of their identity. Uh, they are kicked out of the home. And some of them thought, some of the parents thought that, you know, this child is born this way. Maybe it's a curse or maybe some for our forefathers have done something wrong. So it's a karma, you know, the karma theology mm. that people talk about. And they are hated everywhere. I mean, they were they were never had the privilege of going to school. Even if they were part of the school, you know, there was always shame and, you know, uh, calling on names and they had to discontinue. Some of them run away 
to other cities like Bangalore and uh, they come to this transgender community because of their gender identity and they go begging and they do some kind of uh, menial jobs like uh, and make money and some of them even go into sex work mm. for um, you know they need food to eat and shelter to live and clothes to wear and the story was so uh, you know heartbreaking and few of them said that their parents have abandoned them brothers and sisters say don't come home we don't want to see your face mm. and one lady told me like uh, you know 3 years ago she kind of rebuilt the relationship with the parents mother has a great heart for her and whenever she wants to see the daughter and she gives a call and uh, she would go there after 10 o'clock when everybody sleeps mm. then she has to return before uh, fr- before <laughs> it is uh, yeah you know yeah, before 5 o'clock or so only during the dark hours of night she will be able to see her own mother and that uh, rejection is part of their life and of course other nicknames that people call you know mm-hmm. so they are abused and they are discarded and but you know i have a slogan that says transgenders have imago day mm-hmm. that means they have the image of god right. and they have soul they have spirit and they are human beings and god loves them just like god loves anybody else god loves the world he loves his creation if god loves the robin and the sparrow <laughs> in the sky mm-hmm. he would have a great heart for these people as well mm-hmm. and uh, you know to begin with we kind of uh, oriented our church about the need of reaching this group and church was mm-hmm. fully for it and we have been running that you know outreach with those people with the transgenders mm-hmm. and uh, during the pandemic we also helped them with uh, you know provisions and we are in and a couple of them of course attended our church service few times do they live in a colony of their own or usually they... they usually they live as a community i also have got uh, you know transgender friends who are close to me and one of them comes from another state uh, and uh, i met that person almost 10 years ago when i met that person Uh, uh she was he yeah and then she underwent uh, you know surgery and now she is a full fledged woman mm-hmm. but she is a born again baptized christian who has assurance of salvation a practicing christian but she says that's her orientation i think to begin with you know you talked about our personal story i think uh, we kind of mix up gender with sexuality and therefore and also mm-hmm. transgender comes under lgbt mm-hmm. like lesbian gay mm-hmm. bisexual and you know and that whole package yeah a whole package and some of them are sinful and therefore they come in the same package therefore um, we have aversion towards ja- transgender because we think they are either homosexual or lesbian but transgender is a different community you have any story by the way dr steven yeah i had a um, friend or classmate when i was uh, to my masters in the US and uh, this person was transgender but i mean as i come to learn, understand later on he would be under the intersex category mm-hmm. where he has um, a chromosome normally uh, females are xx and males are xy mm-hmm. he has and i forgot exactly which chromosome but there was something in him which wasn't some of the chrom- there was some chromosomal deficiency or something mm-hmm. of that sort like a mm-hmm. double x and y 
something like that where there and it affected his hormonal imbalance mm. which means on some days depending on the hormonal production he might feel more female and he would change his name to Danielle mm. and if he was more male on that day he would feel more dan so he would oh. actually be more fluid between going back between it's like male a and female. like a mode swing kind of like that but he would what he said it was it was based off of a chromosomal deficiency that affected his uh, hormonal uh, imbalance or or however he put it so that's why he said there are times he would be dan but the other days he would dress as a woman and he'll come as danielle mm-hmm. and so what he also said is that because of the chromosomal deficiency he can never have children mm-hmm. that cannot be carried on that will he'll never be able to never be able to have a a child or anything so he had uh, a, i think a girlfriend at the time uh but he was basically explaining this is his you know situation but you know in a, again in the dialogue with him there uh, there was nothing unusual he was a very you know brilliant guy mm. uh and all the times i met him was mostly as a male i'd never seen him as a female mm. but he said there were times where he would be more female and he would come out as daniel so in the time that you knew him as male mm-hmm. in those seasons or days right. he was comfortable in his skin yes he seemed okay. like a no if he yeah. hadn't told me yeah. i would never have known that he was uh, you know intersex or transgender or anything because he would dress as a male and he looked yeah. more male yeah. um and i don't know how he would look if he you know were to come as a woman i don't yeah. know how yeah. that would look but at least as I, as we see it i think i would see him at least as a sex it would be more as male male mm-hmm. then gender we'll talk about that difference yeah. between sex and gender mm-hmm. so dr saji every week you drive to bangalore and i'm yes. sure you come across transgenders at least at the traffic lights when the cars stop oh, yeah. and mean, my my uh, my story would be just limited to meeting them in the uh, traffic lights um uh, we lived in baneswari very close to your dad's place and so there was a few at that junction and mm-hmm. one particular uh a person uh got acquainted with me in mm-hmm. just sitting in the car in conversation and whenever he would come mm-hmm. you know I'll open the win- I'll roll the window down he will talk to me a little mm-hmm. bit and uh, you know in our indian context they bless us yeah. mm-hmm. it's yeah. kind of seen as a good omen mm-hmm. so i let him you know touch me feel me and uh, my fa- my family was in that comfortable in the beginning <laughs> but i you know I mean you should usually, usually people have got an aversion and fear yeah yeah because they are unlike us mm-hmm. yeah. so that's why they are not part, they are not merging into our community rest of the well, one community. of the forms of discrimination is um just ignoring them mm-hmm. you know yeah, sidelining them yeah, like mm-hmm. they are the other kind of and uh, now that we are driving from here we meet them at the st john's karamangla uh, water tank mm-hmm. uh traffic light and mm-hmm. there are a few of them and one of the things we do as a family is leave early so we stop at a tea shop mm-hmm. and buy those banana fries panburis mm-hmm. <laughs> and we uh parcel a few extra mm-hmm. so we uh, give to these these people that we uh, when they come to us and just you know um uh, being nice to them and i think that's the least that at least as of now i i can do to uh you know acknowledge them that they are there and but i don't have any personal uh, encounters or knowledge of them so as we said earlier it's uh, important for us to first of all define define yes define who a transgender is mm-hmm. that's one thing another thing is to distinguish between gender and sexuality mm-hmm. so would you go ahead and 
Yeah, so I kind of uh, came across um, some information on the on these definitions, and I am taking a lot of it from the book by Preston Sprinkled mm-hmm. uh, called Embodied. It's a very good mm, book. Yes. Uh, quite quite good. So if anyone is interested in reading more in depth, I recommend that book, Embodied by Preston Sprinkled. So he quotes a Christian psychologist, Mark Yarhouse, that transgender is an umbrella term for the many ways in which people might experience and or present and express or live out their gender identities differently from people whose sense of gender identity is congruent with their biological sex. So we need to parse that a little bit. So there are terms here, we're talking about biological sex, mm-hmm. which is the sex we are, uh, which is the uh, what we are born with, the male and female. So there's a distinction in this discussion between biological sex mm. and gender, uh, gender identity, uh, gender roles, and those kinds of things, which we can kind of discuss. But under this term, transgender is kind of an umbrella term. So under one corner of the umbrella might sit a male who simply doesn't feel very masculine mm-hmm. and may use the term transgender to describe this tension. Or on the other end, you have somebody with a severe gender dysmorphia, meaning a real um, a feeling of I'm in the wrong body mm-hmm. kind of issue. And uh, they want to change their body or want to undergo mm-hmm. uh, later on as we call transition. So that's the umbrella term. Now, there's another term that's called non-binary. Non-binary is a wide range of gender identities. So it's not exclusively male or female or masculine or feminine, meaning they don't like the binary of male or female. And they feel that they're floating somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. So people who identify as non-binary feel that these categories don't really identify them. So they call themselves non-binary. Another term that may be used is genderqueer, genderfluid, pangender, uh, these are all considered different types of non-binary identities. And again, going back to the term gender dysphoria, it's a psychological term for the distress people feel when their internal sense of what they feel about who they are and their biological sex don't match. So if being a biological male with biological male hormones, anatomy, I feel I'm in the wrong body and therefore... There is this mental anguish or torture. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess in one sense, if we were to imagine, you know, there are these movies that are out there, like, you know, something happens and some magic and the man is mm-hmm. now in a woman's body. And, <laughs> and he, the comedy is about him trying to figure out mm-hmm. how to live that way. Now, that's a, kind of a comedy. But for, um, you know, probably these people, this is like a reality. They feel that they are stuck in that. And, and I'm trying to imagine, you know, I, I we could only imagine. We can't really... We can't really walk in their shoes. We don't really know. But if you had that feeling that Mm -hmm. somehow you were in the wrong body, Mm -hmm. how would that affect you mentally? Which is why one of the key issues related to uh, the the challenges for transgenders, one is how society treats them, Mm -hmm. but also the um, mental anguish, the levels of suicide rate and um, mental issues and struggles they have because of gender dysphoria is... um, it's something that we have to keep in mind and therefore our empathy is for that struggle that is leading them to either mutilating themselves or to harming themselves mm. because they feel they're in the wrong body. And that's an important thing to keep in mind as Christians because as we're trying to 
deal with people or help people in this uh, situation that struggle has to be kept in the in the foreground or in other words to sympathize with them we need to know who they are yeah yeah someone said you know a simple uh, definition will be for a transgender a transgender person is someone whose sense of gender is different from their physical characteristics of the sex mm-hmm. assigned yeah. to him at the time of birth right. yeah the biological yeah some the doctor comes from the you know from the labor room and says congratulations yeah here is your son or or oh, that's a baby girl i mean that's identified from the sexuality yeah. and gender is entirely different from uh, you know sexuality i think as long as we maintain that yeah. difference we'll be able to empathize that's transgender community but we also are um you know, recognizing the other category of those who are born transgenders or mm-hmm. those who have uh you know physical um you know features that are not mm-hmm. fully fully developed right. uh, that's right genitalia or mm-hmm. you know so we have to acknowledge that that group of right. uh what we call hijras um yeah. in the indian context and so that's that's a little different again right then yeah, there are, there are those, different names given to them like right, you know right. hijras eunuchs kothi jarwani yeah. jogappa yeah. yeah. shiv shaktis you know these are different right, terms right. used they, they are to different. refer to this group i was trying to say they yeah, within are that class. a little bit different yeah. than mm-hmm. those who are who have normal genitalia right. mm. biological you know features mm-hmm. but in the inside has this you know drive or longing to be the other uh, yeah and the I, i think even in the transgender there is such a range even in the hijra yeah. community they will have the combination of right, some people right, who right. have this both this uh, in this dysmorphia yeah. issue yeah. or what we will call the intersex yes. and under intersex there are apparently 16 different types and a majority of intersex wow. actually uh, are more 99% actually of those they have some um uh differences right. but it's not a full-fledged um complete male and female genitalia it's usually some one is uh, dominant or no it's not one is dominant oh, there may okay. be some issue with it mm. so under the 16 varieties actually uh, 99% of them are under where you can actually make out that they're clearly male or clearly female in fact a majority of people did not even know would not even know their intersex until they go to a doctor mm. for some issue okay. and they will probably notice them they will say they're male or they're female but the doctor identifies because of some imbalances or some something that has uh, is different from the normal male or female mm. they are identified as intersex now this one category of people who are both male and female genitalia is a very very small category of that mm-hmm. so the majority actually are either gender dysmorphia or even the intersex people not most in fact most intersex people may not even have a transgender issue mm-hmm. because they don't even know that they actually have it they, they right. assume that right. they are male or female or they have enough of a of the genitalia and features that they go along with it and they're right, quite right. fine I was reading it. a story just now um about uh man um he has the uh, feelings or inclinations um or towards a woman i mean n- not in terms of sex but um in terms of his identity gender identity more feminine uh, in yeah more 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 feminine but um um this he's been counseled by one of the christian counselors and he uh he's able to cope with that and mm-hmm. actually live 
for the most part of his life as just a normal male. Uh, but he still has those. Mm. And so uh, a couple of things that he does to accommodate, so to speak, or to mm. live with the feminine side of it is that he wears uh, female, you know, uh, inner wares, mm. okay. which his wife knows. So he's married, he's got children, okay. but he wears the uh, female inner wares uh-huh. and he does occasionally makeups. Mm. <laughs> uh, but apart from that, he is able to cope with that. Now, to understand a transgender in their own terms, you know, I, I called my transgender friend and she told me that sex is defined by your doctor as you are born. But gender is uh, something that you don't agree with the doctor because uh, gender is, I mean, sex is forced on you, uh, you know, by the medical world. And uh, sec- uh, gender is something that you identify yourself and this is how she put it. You know, gender identity is who you are, not who you want to associate with. Or in other words, she said, it is who you are as you go to bed in the evening, not you, not who you go with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with. Yeah. So it's not <laughs> about the, the. It's not sex, about the sex. sex. It's not right. about the sex. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The issue is not sexuality, yeah. but it is about biological sex, which yeah. is the male female. Yeah. You know the the thing you did kind of describe. There's one group. Uh, one phenomenon called autogenophiliac trans, mm. which is uh, self uh, autogenes woman, yeah. philiac lover of a woman. So they described an experience where a biological male is erotically aroused by the thought of himself as a female. Autogenophiliac trans people are biological males who typically have stereotypical masculine interests and are sexually attracted to women. However, this attraction toward women is not directed so much towards other females but toward the thought of themselves as females. Huh. So I'm not sure if, again, if this is necessarily right. a sexual right. feeling, but it might be a way for him to kind of deal with a bit of dysmorphia right. where he is able to have that uh, feminine um, feeling, yes. uh, I guess. Well, in other words, that. the body and the mind should be in alignment. Alignment, yeah. yeah. Which is the key issue here. Now, yeah. is our, uh, who we are as male and female, mm-hmm. uh, our gender, is it determined by our <clears throat> biology of what we are born with physically or is it what we conceive of in our mind? Mm-hmm. No, most of us, for us, the mind and the body, mm-hmm. there's, there's no, no issue. conflict. There's no conflict. conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's not the issue. But for a lot of them, it is. So we have to look at, first of all, maybe defining what is um, biological sex. And to kind of sum up, to be male or female is usually based on four things. The presence or absence of a Y chromosome. So there's something at the chromosomal level mm, of mm. being male or female. The internal reproductive organs, that would mm. be the testes for men and the uterus and ovaries for women. Mm. The external sexual anatomy mm. that are main for women. Yes. And then the endocrine systems that produce the secondary sex characteristics, the hormones, hormones. that are there. So these are four physical, biological traits that will define that define us physically, I mean, as male and female. Yeah. Now, now the debate is, what if in your mind you yeah. feel it's there is a misalignment mm. of some sort? Yeah. And then again, as we say, this is a broad spectrum. So you have some people who are clearly, they say, I'm, a, I'm in my mind, I'm 100% female. Okay. But there may be some who struggle with maybe the social construct mm. of gender. Like, what it means to be male in our society. Mm. Now, you know, in Kerala, being a male, we have certain 
images. Mm. I remember back in the you know eighties, the heroes would be a guy with good pot belly, mm. you know, mustache, yeah. and it'd be different. But today we are influenced by Western ideas of masculinity, mm-hmm. so they're all different. Many of them are clean shaven. Mm. They've got these hairless chests. I mean, in <laughs> Kerala, being a hair, having a hairy chest was supposed to be the the picture of a man <laughs> but now the we used to do was to leave the yeah, shirt open <laughs> leave the shirt open and we, i used to remember bappi lahiri he had this all his buttons are open and you can see his hair I mean, that was his i mean ways of dis- showing their manliness but as time and culture changes yeah. what is masculine can go through some changes so there is a cultural element that we all observe but there's also fundamentally a biological element that we also know about being male and female so we see this kind of connection and i think that's why the issue of uh, gender identity kind of comes in but gender roles also kind of plays how how do men and women behave differently now whatever it is in each society they all have some roles for their men and women because mm. that is a that seems to be a fundamental def- defining aspect even if you go to a kasi which is a matriarchal society up in the northeast so i asked a guy you know how does it work he says well you know the women own the property um those kinds of things and so they have different roles yet yeah. even if it's a matriarchal society there is a male and there is a, a female, female. Yes, uh, yes so those things are a lot of there are a lot of social um aspects to being male and being a man as well as there is a biological aspect mm-hmm. so that's where the transgenders again there are, within the transgender community there is also a debate where if i identify as male you should just accept it mm-hmm. as male you know if i tell you this is who i am you call me my pronoun as it is mm. yeah. so that's kind of the uh the, the situation where can lead to a lot of confusion as to well well i'm confused uh, you know you used to be a he now you're a, you're a she or you know it, how do i address work, you address or, and work our way mm-hmm. way through that so gender identity gender role i think are also it but i think biologically speaking humans fundamentally are what they say is uh, sexually dimorphic meaning sexually we are either male or female right. and even the intersex issues are looked at as are you more female or more male or do you have the primarily are you a female with mm-hmm. an mm-hmm. issue with uh, some of the p- problems related to that not being something not being fully formed so there is some some sense we'll have to think about um how do we think of gender and sex and how do they work together one of the things uh, you know as we even look at even in you know in india is the, there's been a like, general acceptance of the community um the hijra community but they're also like like many outcast communities they're they're fine as long as you live in your you know outsider community and right, don't right, and, right. and don't come in yeah. so i think uh, the, the the transgenders are uh, very well uh, accepted in the indian community uh, community because of our cultural upbringing and also the religious background because there are a lot of epics and stories mm. connected with the transgenders right. yeah but with and the differences with the difference yeah with the difference yeah because they, they accepted with the difference difference yes. right with the difference yeah, yeah because the indian concept of god is ardha narishwara mm. that is half male half female mm-hmm. therefore there's a scope for a transgender yeah. who is neither male nor female you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i think even uh, i was talking to my uh, aunt who was in north india there they go to um 
the hijras or they welcome the hijras especially when a child is born mm-hmm. and they never say no because they're afraid of bad luck mm-hmm. so um, you know in a sense they are the i guess the hindu religion protects them in some sense because they have um, they seem to be a source of blessing mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. for them so therefore they're not uh, as harmed as much but on a individual basis and their families once they are identified as this there has to be part of another community no longer be part of right, right. this community as you know professor george honest mentioned yeah. yeah that's actually coming from ramayana because according to the ramayana when rama was leaving for the forest being banished you know from the kingdom for 14 years uh, he turns around to his followers and asks all the men and women to return to the city among his followers uh, but the hijras alone did not feel bound by that direction and they decided to stay with him and impressed by that their devotion to rama uh, he sanctions them the power to confer blessing on people mm-hmm. on okay. auspicious so that's the yeah that's a story behind practice. so they appear on the auspicious occasion of uh, childbirth or marriage and inaugural function and generally it is believed that you know when you open a shop when you buy a new car Mm. when you have an inauguration of house yeah. you invite them give food and money and they will dance for you sing for you and their very presence will bring you know blessing from mm. god mm. and that's the reason i said earlier you know in the indian tradition they are always honored yeah so i guess one of the questions that we have to think about is um what does the scripture say about um gender and sex you know mm. how do we look at that and you know if you start at creation you know he was they said they're created in the image of god male and female mm. he made them and so it starts off by identifying uh male and female as the two um ways human beings are presented and now later on we do see that there are eunuchs mm. and we can maybe even look at that but uh, the starting point uh, seems to be that the the way creation has created and defined it is as male and female and then later on even as the ordering of things later on even in terms of the bodies um in terms of uh, sex in terms of marriage mm. being male and female um become the main way and jesus also then affirms that you know when he talks about marriage in matthew 19 yeah. that they're made male and female but he does talk then later on about eunuchs the eunuchs yeah. in that same context some are born eunuch and yeah. some are made eunuch and yeah. some made themselves yeah. eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom, kingdom of god, of god. Yeah. yeah right and in whatever position you find yourself mm-hmm. uh, to remain to remain yeah. as it is mm. in that and oh, that i think it's good to mention first corinthians 7 as well because the whole argument of paul about uh, marriage divorce and singlehood mm. uh, is anchored in jesus that's why paul keeps saying the lord says and not me and mm-hmm. you know not me and the lord says so uh, sometimes people misunderstand that passage to talk about this is paul's personal opinion <laughs> yeah. and it's not scriptural yeah. that's not what he's doing he's quoting matthew 19 yeah. and um, so the singlehood uh, for the kingdom's sake or for the ministry's sake or the lord's sake is the same thing as what jesus says some are some make uh, themselves eunuch for the sake of the kingdom right yeah Yeah and so what are the questions i think probably we need to answer at this point is because in um, in genesis 125 and 26 uh, it says god created the male and female in his image and likeness he created them male and female mm. 
and therefore how about transcendence do they have the image mm, of god if right. there is no image of god then they don't have intrinsic and inherent value right right so they are not mentioned in the in the, in the creation account right but you find them elsewhere in the scripture including right. you know acts chapter 8 i think one of the things that we need to uh, acknowledge and not uh, it's a hot button so we don't mm. want to dwell on it too much is uh the reality that there is the radical side of the ideology mm. that uh uses these uh exceptions this, these exceptions or these categories to promote a non binary fluid uh gender identities uh that undermines then everything that the bible says and so you know for because, example but, one of yeah, the, because it has binding on the society Yeah. you know male female distinction and its implication in family yeah in parenting right yeah. in church ministry especially in its leadership yeah so it has got implications in so many yeah, places it, so it, i think we need to be very uh, you know sure about our definitions it's also political as richard newhouse you know uh, his theory that culture is uh, sorry politics is rooted in culture mm-hmm. culture is rooted in religion mm. and so the radicals who wants to you know manipulate uh, promote mm-hmm. uh, a certain kind of politics is actually now beginning to undermine the very definitions of what is to be a man what is to be a woman mm-hmm. you know at the religious uh, level root uh-huh. so that then it affects uh, the culture mm. then you have the politics that mm-hmm. you want and so i think it's good to observe that or at least you know keep in the back of our mind in this discussion of what the bible says mm-hmm. Yeah and I guess if we were to go back with even the the creation just talk about the case of a person who's born with both male and female parts yeah. um he's still human mm-hmm. he is still both I mean he is in most of us are either male or female he seems to have a combination but either way it is either male or it's 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 not a third category of mm. something else of some you know it's not like it was fused and created a alien kind of genitalia mm-hmm. that we have never heard of it is either male or female or some kind of issue or combination in mm-hmm. that so still we are still within the categories of male or female and therefore their humanity is still within that that part of who they are and even you know moving look saying back a little bit think about the body our bodies are a critical part of our humanity mm-hmm. and even with the if if it if one is born with um either either no just again genitalia yeah two male one male and one female oh, genitalia the, uh, supposedly mm-hmm. you know it is still a a human body yeah. and uh the question is you know now in heaven would they be you know having the same stored or yeah. is it the same uh, um that's an interesting question we may think oh well that's talking about heaven but yeah. actually that that tells us where the goal of of uh, god is for humanity if when it even comes to our our bodies mm. in some mm. sense see i i think paul that's why paul is focusing on the theology of body in first corinthians in mm-hmm. chapter 3 and 6 he reminds us that this is a temple of the holy ghost and corinth being a very evil city influenced by greek philosophy and they apparently believe that whatever you do in your body will not affect your spirit because spirit is good and flesh is or anything material is evil and therefore if your soul is released from your body then you get nirvana or moksha or salvation therefore whatever way you live will not affect your salvation right. and paul says yeah. no 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 that's not true yeah. 
because in chapter 15 he says your body is meant for resurrection mm-hmm. and we are all looking for the redemption of the body and biblical concept of uh, body i mean biblical concept of eschatology includes even the salvation of our body, body mm-hmm. right. yeah yeah right. well, one of the uh, arguments for example of the uh, radical movement for example the lgbt uh, uh community and the so called lgbt scholars so i was listening to michael cougar uh, of oxford so what what he says is that the lgbt scholars uh use lgbt interpretive methods mm. to look at the text and mm. so he gives an example actually a couple of examples one is he goes to genesis account of god creating uh man in god's image and his their interpretation his interpretation is that the first man god created or man when god created is fluid mm. not male mm-hmm. and okay. so then god separates the woman mm-hmm. out so, of him when he removed the uh, bone uh, uh, uh. and created a woman okay. and you know th- then the binary begins but originally it was uh, it was binary i mean sorry fluid, fluid. not binary okay. <laughs> and then he goes to galatians 228 which yeah. is uh, in christ uh, there know, is no male yeah, female, male, no female. <laughs> and so uh, what paul envisions in in the life of the new church or the new community is that there has there will be no binary yeah difference yeah it is it's and interesting and it'll to be, it'll be one but the same passage will then say that there's no no more going to be no jews it, no it, gentiles yeah. our ethnicity is completely yeah. wiped out in the same and, interpretation and, uh, you know in all that or argument or even the feminists uh, interpretation of that is has nothing to do with the role of yeah. men and women as much as our sufficiency in christ as being qualified to inherit the promise that god has made so see one of the advantages a, of uh, sociological hermeneutics is you can make the bible say what you want to say <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. you what, whatever you want to believe you can find verses for right you know right. when we come to the life of the church so uh, as pastors as uh, spiritual uh, guides and counselors how do we approach uh, mm. this subject especially you know one is theoretically to talk about people right, outside, outside right? Right. and uh, we can have all the theories and the politics and well, i know, think at the very outset we have to understand the reality of transgenderism you I mean, mean i mean you can't say I, i mean you cannot say that it's a psychological disorder or that's a physical disorder you know or that guy is mad or he or should be sent to some mental clinic or he should be counseled or or it's just only sinful behavior or sinful behavior or you know we need to send him for treatment you know or he should undergo some hormone uh, treatment he will be all right yeah you know those kind of approach should be i mean it's very unhealthy we are understanding the when it comes to the practical um approach of the church or the church leadership it has each case has to be handled mm-hmm. separately i don't think we mm. can have a broad scale mm. right you know policy so right. to speak or even to i don't think it is even wise to publish a policy that yeah. you know this is our stand on transgender right, but right. to actually discreetly and graciously deal with each individual depending on you know what for example what kind of uh, transgender are they right, right. and yeah. where is it a trans woman or a trans man yeah yeah or yeah. whether they are you know eunuchs uh, eunuchs yeah, either they yeah. were born eunuchs or even made eunuchs by mm. their parents 
because of the features you know mm-hmm. we were talking earlier about um, the parents yeah. just forcing uh, forcing mm. them because of their you know femininity you know boys you know they are biologically born boys but they you know seem to demonstrate the feminine characteristic and so they make them by force right. uh you know transgender and then they are you know put in that community mm. so if someone like that comes to our church and desires of hearing the gospel you know uh, what's our approach you know and uh related to that in other words can can we accept a person who is born i'm thinking about the first category mm. who is born or by force made a transgender uh can we accept them as genuine you know believers in christ can we accept them into our membership i mean that's that would be my first first, first question to, okay. yeah, so, so they were yeah. now you know there was one story where it was talked about um uh, a child they didn't they it was born intersex so they did a surgery to fix some things uh, but later on he struggled with this uh, dysmorphia but later on he found out that the parents chose the wrong oh. gender to do the surgery they were not sure what it was they oh thought my, it was male oh and made it female but then he realized actually it was a male uh-huh. that's why he was having a lot of these uh, he felt male all the time but he was you know accidentally surgically made into a uh, female mm. again there are so many complexities to every right, right. case so i think the key thing is like you said because each case is so unique right. is to go through the story yeah. of each person And when it comes to sharing the gospel it is a matter of sharing the gospel. We yeah. share the gospel yeah. as is. Yeah. And I think that's where how we de- deal with unbelievers versus believers two different things. Like one one somebody in my church asked me he says okay well when you know people in his work they want to be called a particular pronoun what should I do? Well I said you know it's like if I say my name is this and I want you to call me yeah you know I'll I'll call you that pronoun because again you have chosen that and again outside the church is a different context than inside the church right. you know paul even says i'm not here to judge the outsiders that's for god to judge we are here to judge the believers so so our dealings with outsiders is different and um working and adjusting with that mm-hmm. um diversity that's existing because we're part of a broader secular world in a sense that we're our voice as christians is one of the voices it's not a christian place mm-hmm. yet mm-hmm. but in the church is different on the church we have to ask okay well now a person comes in each case we have to go through one by one because if you go to the other case where he is born male but he has a gender dysmorphia yeah and um he is almost a point of suicidal that if i don't get a surgery and if i'm not allowed to take hormone therapy yeah. i'm you know i don't want to live in this body anymore mm-hmm. i feel like god has punished me mm-hmm. by putting me in this wrong body mm-hmm. and I'm I'm being tormented. Yeah. Um I think as pastors the the place of counseling is going to come important understanding where the transgenderism is is taking effect. I think that's a big big one. I think um it's about time that our pastors are equipped to think through this issue. And I think and, very, you know uh, I feel that very seldom pastors preach about it or air their opinion about this. and at least prepare the congregation about uh, you know absorbing this community into yeah, yeah. Uh, the believing group you know like we want the transgenders to be christians we want them to be saved right. i mean we think about uh, acts 8 the yeah. the first missionary to the yeah. ends of the earth and also if you look at the, the if earth, you look at the, the old testament some of the 
eunuchs were in important positions. Mm. There are Bible scholars who think that maybe Nehemiah yeah. or Daniel were eunuchs or made eunuchs at least. Right, right. And they were all in important positions and many of them were in charge of harems, handling money. Mm, mm. And they were advisors to the king and they were elite and respected. Mm. And they were in honorable positions yeah. uh, in the ancient world. I think on the one hand, you know, the church has the responsibility both to the conscience of the world and also its own members mm. um, theologically to protect its integrity, theological integrity, that this is what the Bible says about mm. maleness and, you know, um, biblical masculinity, femininity, and, you know, uh, that sort, what, what does the Bible say? And to take a stand against what is being promoted Mm. ideologically to undermine and overthrow mm -hmm. the authority of the scripture. Mm -hmm. So I think there is that that role. Mm. But when dealing with individual uh, people with, you know, the uh, gender dysphoria, mm -hmm. we have to show absolute grace and mm. uh, welcoming, accepting and uh, working with them. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, counseling, you talked about your friend yeah. who became, you know, believing yeah, uh, Christian believing um, uh, friend who became a girl, mm. you know, and uh, I I don't know if someone approached me as a pastor, you know, who uh, is really experiencing terrible distress and would like to go through. I I, I don't have the wherewithal to counsel that person, mm -hmm. but what I think is that we must be patient and work with them, counsel them, show them again and again what the scripture says. Because as we said earlier, you know, uh, all of us are created in the image of God and all of us are equally broken. And all <laughs> of know, us one, need God. One part, <laughs> one part or the other. Yeah. So yeah, even the transgenders or the people who have gender dysphoria are created in the image of God and they need the grace of God. And as one uh, theologian said, the, the ultimate uh, uh, dysphoria mm -hmm. uh, really is when the very Son of God came and lived in a body mm -hmm. that was completely foreign to him. Mm -hmm. You know, Romans 8, mm -hmm. you know, um, what the flesh could not do, mm -hmm. God did. Mm -hmm in the flesh of his son, mm -hmm. you know, nailing him to the cross. Mm. So the greatest dysphoria crisis was experienced on the cross. And that's where the hope is mm. for all of us, you know, for those who are uh, struggling in this area or struggling in other areas. Yeah. I think that's a, you know, really profound point because I think our theology of our body is going to be an important part of the counseling conversation yeah. that their bodies and their minds, again, we don't have a necessarily a dualism that we're trying to speak of, but body and minds, while there is this struggle, yeah. uh, both are part of their humanity, valuable. Yeah. And um, whatever harm they're thinking about doing to themselves or whatever they're planning to do to their bodies is to their bodies, which are which is part of what has been redeemed. Mm. And and the struggle is going to be with part of that acceptance of that, of that what that means is, to struggle with this. This is their uh, journey that they are struggling. And people who are outside of it need to be patient and as a pastoral approach, be patient with them. But always pointing back to the value of 
their body mm. as it is mm. and the value of their even their mind and even their struggle mm. as it is there's there's something in that personal story that god has for them that tells us a little bit also not only about uh, themselves but about us mm. but god and gets us to think about certain things which we never thought of or may have yeah. taken for granted right. that gets us to think uh, differently and for that purpose therefore their presence actually gets us to think about things you know a little bit more in a more empathetic way but requiring grace mm. wisdom dependence mm. on the word but also i like the other part of what you said was the understanding the ideological uh, whirlwind that we are also in that that's affecting to try to change the shape of what we have held to as a christian community of what it means to be male or female particularly in our roles as we call about in the family and in the church mm. you know those things can under the guise of say well look this is an issue so is is it really are these distinctions really that important mm. are these just you know paul living in a first century world is this just jesus in a first century world yeah. so i think both of these are very important things to keep in mind yeah the important thing is to treat them like a person you, you know i just spoke to my transgender friend and asked her how do you want to be addressed and she said commonly people call us trans woman trans man and you actually attribute something to us before you say person you know so she says the best way to call a person is like a, a person with trans experience so you your emphasis emphasis is on person mm. okay so a person is not identified by the gender but personality is the first so just like a person with blindness or a person on wheelchair so when you say a handicapped man mm. handicapped becomes uh, you know a qualifier to explain the person mm. you know mm. so just treat us like individual i think that's a good lesson for pastors counselors evangelists to take uh, from the trans- transgender world mm. that we treat them like individuals just because they are different they're also part of humanity Yeah I think even you know with this uh, discussion there are also going to be people who may struggle on one sense with being male and female in our culture you mm. know we may have a uh, mm. cultural ways of being it and I think those are strengths of a culture cultures have always try to define as uh, these are the patterns we want you to follow and we train you know our boys and our girls to follow the pattern but some may not and uh, in the churches where we'll be you know we can have a place for them to be grace if you know if a guy is a little bit more softer he you know doesn't like sports he enjoys you know maybe talking about different topics you know uh, there's a there's a sense where then those kinds of things should not in, in a re- overreaction mm-hmm. to some of these things yeah. uh, try to force people into certain boxes that there is a possibility of being male with a lot of varieties of interests right. that don't necessarily all match together uh, but there are definite roles there are um, there are some definitions but there's also some flexibility and i think that's also a important place for the church to understand um, when we are reacting to especially a cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. we important not to overreact right, right. and in the sense in order to push the pendulum one way we may pull way to the another way right, and to right. try to to oppose that and and stay balanced within the the, the whole scheme that god has planned for being human yeah. you know yeah. there's a vision that god has 
for us. And again, you know, even as we look at eternity, we're not going to be married. We're not, but we, yeah. I think we're still going to be male, female. Part of our, part of our humanity, are who we are, and that right, humanity right, is being right. glorified. Yeah. Involves our, um, yeah. our our gender. I mean, our, our sex, from being male or female. I think that's kind yeah, of a question. The answer of which we don't know now is what will be the gender of the transgenders <laughs> in heaven. We, yeah, we just yeah. don't know, and I think it's best. Lifted at that, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, the Lord knows. But, but we know one thing: when we shall see Him, we shall be like Him. Like, yeah. we'll be glorified, right? Which is another thing where people will say, "Well, you know, we'll be like Him." Doesn't mean we're going to be all male, <laughs> yeah. you know, or not going to be exactly like Jesus. That, but what right. it means will be glorified, right. glorified like human beings in in His presence. Yeah. What would we suggest for our listeners in terms of how would they? Go about engaging with people who identify as transgenders, both in the church and out the church. What are some of the key pieces of advice? Well, first of all, give? I think we, they need to get rid of the judgmental spirit mm-hmm. and more accommodative. Mm. And of course, they should be also mission-minded. And church should uh, make intentional programs to reach the transgender community. And since they are hated by the world. and there's no opportunity for them to work they don't have any rights and privileges in the society even though government provides it technically in papers so the church should also make sure that their social and economical life is also improved mm. you know by the supervision of the church and involvement of the church and make sure that they are also part of the they, they should feel um, that that they are part of the family of god's people I was thinking of uh, you know the transgenders that we meet in mm-hmm. in um, the city, for example. Uh, first of all, as I said in the beginning, not to ignore them, mm-hmm. but to acknowledge them, especially because they make a presence to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see so many people on the streets. We mm-hmm. we don't pay any attention to anyone in particular, but these people come, knock on our glasses, mm-hmm. and you know, so unroll. Uh, smile, talk to them, maybe give them some money. I don't know where that, whether the money is really going to them or some <laughs> other bosses that they have. <laughs> I suspect that uh, strongly, but still, uh, to relate to them and also not condemn them as any more sinners than we are. Mm-hmm. You know. Now, the, there is the reality that many of them are. Um, likely to be engaged in the flesh trade yes or the sex uh, as a profession mm. which is an unfortunate situation because th- that for many of them is uh, that's the only way to make, that, that's make, the only way make money yeah. again you know how much of that is really uh, misused or abused by people who have authority or power over them we don't know that that mm-hmm. side mm-hmm. i i do remember many years back maybe 15 years back in bangalore there was a um now you know a project or uh, like a one episode where the uh, police uh, bangalore city police uh, worked with the entire i mean with some ngos and uh, at one instant like at a particular time of the day they just went and just uh, picked up all these people that were all the beggars including transgenders and took them into some remote place and with a purpose of you know rehabilitating them and things mm-hmm. so 
I am aware because one of my friends worked with an NGO that worked with the police mm-hmm. to uh, emasculate uh, folks like that. So we know that there is that reality mm-hmm. of these people being, so to speak, owned or, you know, um, you know, they are, uh, they owe them or under mm-hmm. service. We don't know. But at least in our view of them and in our, you know, relating to them mm-hmm. as, you know, to relate to them as uh, people with respect and uh, show kindness. Mm. That, that's the least that we can do in the public square. Then, of course, you know, uh, we talked about how to reach them, show them love uh, when they come to our church. I haven't had any experience of anyone coming to our church with that background, so I don't, you know, but I hope that our church will be ready to welcome and make them feel at home without a judgment or spirit. Yeah. One of the things that I liked about the book uh, embodied, embodied by Preston Sprinkle, one thing he says is you, every transgender story is so different. You really will have a hard time coming up with a set of mm. approaches and principles. The key, I think, is then going to be to listen to their story, mm. to understand what is it that has brought them on this particular path because each person is going to be quite different. So I think listening to them and talking to them and understanding them first before we uh, maybe seek to find help for them. Again, we may not be the counselor, but just trying to understand each person's mm. uh, trans experience, as you know, she says, that is probably the starting point mm. for believers. And I think that that effort is part of our outreach to people mm. who are outside the church. The only way is to start being friends with them and understanding them. And in that context of friendship and love, can the gospel really be heard? Because from a distance, they will hear it, but they don't seem to experience the love of God. They can only do that if someone who is in Christ comes to them and shows them love. So what a church does in terms of even meeting them, creating a time of fellowship, sharing meals or whatever it might be, are starting points to have that conversation. And I think those are the things that believers need to see. If God puts a person in your sphere, how would you respond? Mm -hmm. I think this will be a good food for thought for uh, for our listeners, that they can change the attitude towards the transgenders and have a bigger heart in reaching them and yeah. Accepting them. And understand that, you know, the everyone likes simple answers to complex problems. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But uh, this is the world we have to understand. And I yes. think it te- if it teaches a bit of humility for us mm-hmm. in that. Yes. At the same time, you know, understanding the, the clear pictures of what the scripture tells us. Yeah. Um, not to be, not, not to um, get too confused by the complexities and therefore abandon the, the, the entire plan of God in terms of, what ma- God has for humanity, particularly as right, right. male and female. Not and to abandon our mm. biblical convictions. Biblical convictions, yeah. you know, yeah, right. because, you know, I don't have an answer to this, yeah. you know, particular situation. Yeah. Therefore, the whole, you know, story drops. Now, that doesn't, fo- it doesn't work like that. Yeah. And, and that is what people need to understand. But they, they can still engage with people to yeah. try to understand their, their situation. I think, you know, if uh, our listeners have uh, noticed that we have tried to stay away from the a uh, whole topic of the, you know, um, uh, LG, yeah. uh, the... Uh, the sexuality part. Yeah, yeah. The, the sexuality part. And uh, our encouragement will be, when we are thinking about the transgenders um, and transgender community, un- until and unless we know that they are practicing biblically forbidden 
uh, activities like you know uh, lesbianism or homosexuality yeah, or, yeah uh, to not include that aspect into this yeah, thinking yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. uh, look at them as those who have um, either already an existing transgender identity mm-hmm. or whether they are being transgendered wherever mm-hmm. they are in that process mm-hmm. of becoming one from the other right and to look at them without associating the sinful behavior mm-hmm. uh, attached to it and also uh, we want another topic for the podcast yes, another yes, podcast yeah so, yeah <laughs> yeah probably the next podcast yeah, yeah. we can yeah, definitely <laughs> deal with it and i think that's important to kind of uh, distinguish the, the issues with transgenderism and gender are more are, are different just a different right. issues different. so we needed to spend time here on this issue well uh, thanks to professor joy john uh, for joining us this time mm-hmm. it's been a great discussion we hope it's also been a very fruitful discussion for all of you and if you have any further questions please email us at bath@acaindia.org thanks so much for listening to this episode of theology ki baat if you have any questions or have topics or issues you would like us to discuss please email us at bath B-A-A-T-H at A-C-A-India dot O-R-G.